0: Nurse Wellness Podcast on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com. Better
1: Hey, hey, hey. welcome to this special bonus episode of Better with Dr. Erica. This is the last bonus episode before the start of season three. Yes, I said season three, y'all. I'm so excited that this episode focuses on health and wellness from mental health to physical health. I even love that there is a new term with mental health now, mental fitness. This episode features some heavy hitters, so it gives you an overview of the podcast, Is like a masterclass in health and wellness. Bet you were wondering who are these heavy hitters, right? This episode includes Dr. Delicia Haynes, Dr. Alana Curry, Dr. Barry Pierre, Dr. Jared Patton, Alana Matthews, Winter Wheeler, and Dr. Charlotte Accor. See, we just packed as many phenomenal people into this little tiny space as we could. You're going to want to stay on until the absolute last minute. Because these discussions are going to give you tips that can not only help your own health and wellness, but can help you advocate and improve the lives of those around you. I even learned more things listening to these clips again, too. Let me quit talking and get to the episode. This episode starts with Dr. Delicia Haynes, and she starts this episode off with a bang. Listen close because she is always dropping knowledge. And I know a lot of you may be able to relate to something that she says in this clip
2: better with dr erica better with dr erica
3: you know i think i i think a lot of what i do is creating what i wish i had so mm-hmm. um and uh so i was uh the the i was suicidal when i was in high school i did well in in my college days, I was a Divergent One athlete. So I had a lot of, I had great relationships with my teammates, Mm -hmm. my sorority sisters. I was really physically active. And then I went from that to sitting on my butt studying eight hours a day in in med school. And my second year of med med school had a recurrence of depression, actually had to take time off uh, to be treated. Best decision I've made in my career uh, was Mm -hmm. to take that time off and and now i sometimes i have to you know tell my patients like it's important to take some time off and then this is this is one of those moments and uh, you know i started my practice and transitioned to direct primary care and that's where i created the space to, to pursue some of my other passions and one of those being mental health uh, both in in writing the book which is largely you know my my, my life story intermixed with all of the statistics um And then also creating white coat safe space, which is what I think most people in the health professions need, because we have to always show up as strong and as the healers, but the healers need to be healed too. Mm -hmm. And so making sure that we're creating a space where we don't have to always be a superhero that we can take, take off the capes and, you know, if they've got holes in them, we got to, you know, patch them up, we got to take time to really heal heal ourselves and, we all need to have a safe space to do that in. We forget that doctors are people too, and we as physicians forget that we're people too. You <laughs> know, we treat ourselves very poorly. And I was so I was shocked when I, I was researching for a Grand Rounds presentation, which is like this big presentation that we sometimes have to give. And I chose the topic of suicide and depression amongst physicians. And it was the first time that I realized that I wasn't alone because I, mm-hmm. up to that point, I thought I was the weak link, that I was the only person who ever had to take time off to be treated for depression in med school, that I was the only person that, you know, even suffered from depression. And when I did, you know, the research for that presentation and saw, you know, I, I didn't know then that we lose over 400 uh, physicians to suicide every year. Or that you know over thirty percent um, of students are are suffering from depression, yeah. and had I known that coming in, and had my support team known that coming in, we would have been in such a better position uh, to support. Um, and so that was you know, one of the initiatives that we're doing right now is is about really getting the book into the hands of medical students and their families, so that they have this knowledge before they go in, because I think feeling that you're alone is in, in, a, in what is already an isolating experience makes it so much worse. Mm-hmm.
1: I can believe it. And I just really, I really appreciate the fact that you are, are so giving and so transparent about this, because I think one of one of the beautiful things in the middle of your story is number one, that you got to a place where you were comfortable enough to ask for help. Number two, as you continue to go along your journey, you were able to figure out how do I set my life up so that I can still do these things that I really want to do professionally, but I take care of myself personally so that I can be healthy. And, and the last one, I think, is just that space of being open to talk about these things so that people can see that there are plenty of people that, number one, you can have a mental health challenge and still be a great person. That has nothing to do with the quality of human being you are. Number two, that you can have a mental health challenge and that doesn't have to define you. That's not your only identity. It may be something you are struggling with or dealing with, but that's not actually who you are. And the number three is that you can be in a place at some time where you even have thoughts of suicide and those types of things, and still make a great life. That it doesn't mean that that's the predictor of how the entire rest of your life story will be. And I think that's a lot of the power in your narrative is that it's part of your story, but it's not the story. And it's also not the end to your story. Right, and I think that was why
3: and, and and I have to say that when I really decided to write it was after I lost someone to suicide that I really cared about one of my best friends. And we lost a second year medical student at the school mm-hmm. and faculty because before that, being, you know, having my own business and kind of worried about my image and, you know, do I want to become known as a depressed doctor before I've had a chance to really set up my reputation? It was, you know, I thought of my story as mine. And after losing my friend and, you know, we always talked about, he was, he was amazing. Um, Mm -hmm. He was a lawyer. He was just this amazing mind. And we never had that conversation. You know, he was always looking out for me. He did background checks on my employees for fun. I mean, he was just always like that big brother. Mm -hmm. And uh, we just never, you know, we always talked about what our next was going to be. And we never talked about those Valley moments uh, and so it's it's really just wanting to make sure that all of my friends know that, yes, uh, you may see, you know, the MD, the, the CEO, the, you know, all of the labels, uh, but understand the context and, you know, the entire person um, because we all have valley moments and we have those peak of the mountain moments and that's part of our entire journey and when when people only see your peaks, uh, it, it, you're actually robbing them of the full experience of you. Uh, so going forth, this is really kind of a pay it for you. I, am not, I won't, I'm not like haunted by him, but I see him sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I see that he's the most piercing eyes, and I know that he would be proud of the work that I'm doing, and, mm-hmm. um, and also, it's, it's what I know I was meant to do, uh, as well. Um, so, really, I think we sometimes get afraid of being vulnerable, but our vulnerability in many places protects us because you actually get to shape the narrative rather than somebody else telling it.
1: Well, and the the beautiful thing of, about this is that if you change just one life and just one person seeks help or is able to somehow in the middle of the darkness realize that the world is better with them in it or that their life is worth living, then the the beauty of this type of work is every single life you touch matters and just touching one life is huge. And, and what the work that you're doing being open to being vulnerable and shifting that purpose into action is that it gives you the capacity to step in and literally almost virtually intervene in, in people's lives in a way that can can totally change their course, which is so, so powerful. And and I feel like part of what you were speaking about also about showing, being vulnerable enough to show peaks and valleys is I think it's one of the reasons why we're also seeing more mood disorders and either aggression or internal aggression, such as um, self-injurious behavior or suicide attempts with social media, because social media often is, Literally, you just literally defined what most of it is. Most of it is people showing either, as you would call it, their peaks or manufacturing Mm -hmm. (laughs) something something that's not even realistically going on in their life. Um, So I just want to say thank you for being willing to step out of your own comfort zone because it would be super comfortable to just be quiet about this little corner of your life. You know, I am on
3: social media for business purposes and I you know, and just for expression purposes, but you're right, it's such a, you know, it's hard not to go into comparison. And you're comparing yourself to someone's highly filtered, highly cultivated, (laughs) curated, you know, version Mm -hmm. of, uh, you know, of their life where they're on vacation every single day and they have this perfect, you know, balance. Um, So I really, you know, I try to limit my time when I'm actually on social media uh, because it can be very deleterious to your mental
2: health.
1: Thanks, Dr. Delicia, for being so transparent and using your story to help others. This highlights the importance of asking for help and making space to take care of yourself. I love that this conversation highlights that your mental health is not an actual statement on the quality of you as a human being or the kind of life that you can have, and that mental health challenges don't have to dictate your entire life story. If this conversation changes one life, I feel this conversation did exactly what it needed to do. So please go back and listen to the full episode, which is episode 18 about prioritizing your mental health. This next segment features Alana Matthews. Listen in because she is going to talk about a great perspective of having it all or doing it all.
2: Better with Dr. Erica.
1: So you mentioned something that your mom said. What what were you going to say about that? You know, the best advice my mom ever gave me was,
4: if you're not a part of the solution, you're part of the problem. And a lot of times we, you know, watch the news, we read the paper, we're talking to somebody, and we're talking about the problem. But it's not enough to do Mm. that. And so my mom telling me that, that was her way of saying, don't sit on the sidelines. Don't just talk about it, be about it. And so, um, when I do have those conversations, I do a little self reflection and said, okay, what am I doing? Um, is it helping or hurting the situation? And so, am I a part of the solution or am I a part of the problem?
1: That's excellent. And the interesting thing is, when you were talking about everything you've done, and when I was reading your bio, um, all of you out there know that have been listening know that recently I went on vacation home, and while I was home, my mother has a thing for all of these all of these shows like Chicago PD and Law and Order, especially SVU. And when you talk about everything you've done, I'm like, it's like your career is an episode of like an <laughs> or seasons of Law and Order. Like you sh- you could have been on the show. Like you did all of that stuff. I do I feel that way. <laughs> You're like, sometimes you're like, I can't make this up. This really did happen. I know. And in and, and, and this world, I know there's always this this desire, and you spoke of this desire to really be part of the solution. And I know being part of the solution is something that takes mental and emotional energy and time. And I know that rolls so well into the experience at Spelman and how one of the highest values we were taught Um, was a value of service, which sounds like aligned very well with your mom's values. How do you find ways to have the capacity to do this type of work, to have this level of service and be this agent of change and and still be mentally and emotionally healthy and be able to maintain relationships?
4: Yeah, well, I think first I, I just start off from a place of grace. You know, and understanding that I cannot do everything that I want to do, and it's not my responsibility to do everything that needs to be done. And so, you know, as a mom um, and a single mom for you know most of the time, I raise mm-hmm. my children. Um, I I had to realize that when it's all on me to you know get them up and, and do breakfast and. Go over homework and pack lunches and do soccer practice and piano lessons and gymnastics and everything. You know, it is really exhausting. And still try to show up at work 100% mm. and give it all you can um, and be present for other activities like, you know, your spiritual well being, going to church, um, being active in the community you just um, cannot do it all at the same time mm-hmm. so prioritizing has been one place to help me you know figure out how to best use my time and be able to show up effectively in the spaces that I uh, choose to be in and then um, understanding you know you um, may make mistakes or you may not be able to you know, Um, make an event or, you know, you just need, you just need to listen to your body. Um, Or there have been times when my children, you know, I mean, when I was raising them, um, they're all grown now, but there's times when they really needed me to be present. Um, And they certainly had their, (laughs) they certainly had all their nights where I was dragging them to meetings. I was president of the African American Bar Association, so they would always be at meetings and events with me. And then sometimes they just, you know, say, you know, we don't, we don't want to go. My children are very much outdoors. Um, They went to Waldorf schools, so they're Mm -hmm. very much outdoorsy. We've done orienteering and and hiking and camping, and so for them, they just want to be in nature and be quiet and. I wasn't great raised that way. I'm from Gary, Indiana, I'm very <laughs> urban. Um, so it took some time for me to adjust and say, okay, you know, yeah, we'll we'll go camping. Um, all right, I'm gonna get over the bugs or whatever I was afraid of, and just say, okay, well, let's just make this happen and and be open to new experiences. And so it's it's a fine balance, but starting from a place of grace. Um, We hear a lot of people talk to us about not having to be the strong black woman. Um, And outside of just the professional or community things, just the personal things that you go through. Right. Um, So going through a divorce, um, having. To have the grace to say, you know, I'm mad right now. I'm not gonna act like what's happening is not right. It's wrong and it shouldn't be happening, you know, and to give yourself grace to say, I can't do it all and I'm not trying to, you know, do it all. Um, Give yourself grace to ask for help. Um, And for me, I I didn't have a lot of people that I could ask for help, but Mm -hmm. I needed to. So you just don't beat yourself up for that lean into it and learn and grow from it. And and now it's, I think, put me in a position to help other people um, realize that. And that's probably the most rewarding um, experience of of having to balance and juggle all those things because you can see someone else and say, let me save you the trouble.
1: Indeed. Um, you literally, as the young people say, that was a word. <laughs> um, I have I have admitted and have accepted the fact that certain vernacular does not sound that cool coming out of my mouth. It sounds every, cool,
4: girl. It sounds cool.
1: Every <laughs> once in a while, I try it. Uh, but you, I want to unpack a little bit about what you were talking about because um, with people that have been listening for me for a while, I talk about the better seven. That these are seven areas that are critical to put you back in your life, and out of what you said, there are a couple that were really highlighted because when it comes to giving ourselves grace, that that has a lot to do with self-talk. And then when you talked about asking for help, that talks a lot about support and how important it is to engage support. And I think one of the lessons a lot of us have learned even during this pandemic has been to be more intentional about obtaining support. And when we ask for support, being very specific about what we need.
2: Right. Better with Dr. Erica.
1: Every time Alana speaks, I have to pause and totally listen. I find myself leaning in, even though this podcast is already coming into my ears. I love the perspective that she gives on how to balance being present, being a change agent, and doing all of the things. Preventing and recovering from the overwhelm of trying to do all of the things can be so powerful for having good mental health. Next up is Dr. Barry Pierre. He breaks down some essential things to know about your health. You might want to lean into this part.
2: Better with Dr. Erica.
1: If you had just a couple of messages to tell people about their health from your perspective of being a hospitalist, if you could have pie in the sky and you had three things to tell people, what would those three things be?
5: I think
6: first, I always, I always say you have to be, you have to individualize it, because a lot of times I think we get caught up in the, this person did this, and look how much you know weight they lost or gained. That person did that. That person stopped eating this, and be, because we don't kind of center ourselves in the conversation, we're always, we're always running this like rat race that we like. We'll never be like better than that person if we're running that person's race. Right. So I always Mm -hmm. say first, first center yourself, right? Understand that, you know, there one, you have to be able to say, like, all right, I need to do this for me, right? Especially if you have that. We and we talked about this before, like the why, right? Like understanding, like, Mm -hmm. I need to have and be able to define my why. Because when you know, you know, things don't go your way, right? When, you know, you know, the success. Um, is, isn't as, you know, attainable or in the amount of time that you want it. You have to understand why you're doing it, right? Because that's what's going to keep on pushing you uh, to, to go forward, right? So and understand that, one, you need to have that individual, um, you know, mindset that, like, all right, I am, like, I need to just focus on me. I'm not going to focus on what worked for other people mm-hmm. or what didn't work for other people. Two, understand that, like, I need to establish, like, my why, like, my core, because, like, that's what I'm going to have to keep when, and I would say when you have the setbacks, not even if. When you have the setbacks, I need to keep being able to go back to the why and say, like, like this is why I'm doing this. And then more importantly, like, try to find a trusted, you know, person, right? Again, it doesn't necessarily have to be a super professional, but just someone that you can trust that be able to kind of bounce off ideas and thoughts um, of, right, to be able to, like, move or Like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm having trouble, you know, stopping doing this one activity. Like, what do you think? And then understanding that that person is there to help guide you if they can, provide support if they can, and just push you along forward. Right? Like I think those are the three biggest things. Before you start off any journey, obviously, that's very congenital, but any journey, I think those are the three things you need to be able to kind of move forward.
1: Oh, I love that because that first one was basically have an individualized approach and and keep your needs and who you are at the center. The second was know why you're even doing it. And the third was basically have accountability. And And one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this is one of the things that people have become so aware of due to the pandemic and just the focus on some days, people are here one day and they're not here the next, and people really becoming more aware of all of our mortality is there's there's been this whole conversation around people are talking about vaccines and people are talking about these masks but no one's talking about being healthy (laughs) and it's always interesting because then i'm like it depends on what room you're in correct correct. Uh, not talking about clubhouse specifically but (laughs) just depends on who you're around because i'm like everyone i know everyone's talking about those basic tenants and things That you do for your health, which I I love because I think they weave very well into what your general platform is, which is empowering people through better health, because one of the things we can all do for ourselves, and this is a great time to work on it. And I realize we all have to give ourselves grace because um, I'll admit I went through a pizza ordering phase and I lost 20 pounds at the beginning of pandemic and found it again. (laughs) i will admit it y'all i will keep you posted on this 20 pounds leaving me again but this is a great time since people are more focused on health to start focusing on your foundational health as far as what you what kind of supply what kind of things you put into your body what are you drinking what are you eating your what kind of movement you get and exercise Mm -hmm. how do you do quiet time and stillness what are all these things you're doing to help your baseline health status so that you're ideally in the best physical health so that when your body comes upon some type of infectious disease, it doesn't even have to be COVID, right. that it's in its best shape to fight it off right. no matter what it is.
6: Now, Erica, and, I, tell you, what I I always tell people like when I like, for example, I always give the now because I hear that all the time, too. I say, well, you know, first of all, right. We, we were saying that for years, right? And, you know, again, we didn't have y'all ears when we were saying, you know, being <laughs> a Christian and everything else. But like, I always give an analogy, like, if I say, like, hey, I want you to have, you know, good time at work, right? Like, I'm assuming that you're going to actually go to work, right? Like, I'm not I'm not giving you the direction, oh, by the way, you need to get in your car, you know? You're, like I'm assuming that you know that to have a good time at work, you have to go to work. And, and <laughs> I, think, I think a lot of people, when they hear, like, us focus on, like the vaccines and the social distancing and the wearing and the mask, like like we've already assumed that y'all were going to be as nutritious as you needed to be, that y'all were going to, like we already, those are stuff we already kind of assumed because we've been saying that, right? Like, so it, it's not as if we didn't say because you already know. It's not like we, we haven't been saying it. It's just that like it fell on deaf ears. Um at that tip, Like the flu, right? Flu's, flu has been non-existent the year, right? But the reason why it's been non-existent because the stuff that we used to say about the flu season, as far as, you know, washing your hands, social distancing as much as you can, you know, cover your mouth, like all of those things there, y'all are doing now, right? And because y'all are doing it now, that's why you don't see the flu. So it's, it's one of those things where like, no, we, we were saying the nutritious. In fact, we still say it. We still say it now. Um, but like, we just assume that y'all are already doing it or y'all already heard that message, which is why we're not necessarily reiterating, uh, you know, the message again.
1: Yeah. And I, I one of the things I also encourage people is the great thing is we all have these infinite resources because of the internets. So this is a wonderful time because one of the things I think that came out for a lot of people during the pandemic where there are skills that everyone didn't have. Some people knew how to cook. Some people didn't know how to cook. Some people didn't know how to do their nails. Some people didn't know how to do their own hair. Some folks didn't know how to you know do numerous tasks around the house, build stuff big stuff. And this is a great time to learn. So when we're talking about being healthy, this is an excellent time to start experimenting with different types of movement and seeing what you actually like. Do you like biking? Do you like walking? Do you like those old school calisthenics? Are you someone that you enjoy lifting? Do you enjoy TRX? I don't know if I mentioned yoga, Pilates, bar. There's all this dancing all of this stuff. And this is a great time to experiment because there's also so much free content right. to figure out what kind of movement you enjoy. So then you can start making a habit of getting movement. And then this is a great time you can try different recipes. Um One of the things I talked about with some of my clients was you'll have these cabinets and a lot of us have spices or things we haven't used. Ain't,
6: use, ain't used in
1: months. Yeah. You're, and you're and like. all you have to do is you can actually just go on the internet and type recipe with cumin recipe with, with garam masala, you know, and then you can start doing new things with some of the things you have around. So that it doesn't have to be a thing where we say, try something new. And you're like, but dude, I'm on a COVID budget. You know, a lot of these things you have access to in your house, but this is a great time to experiment in the kitchen. And also if you have a family to do these activities together, because it can be quality time. But also it's important that we pass on a lot of these skills to young people that they know these skills. Because it's one thing if, if you don't feel like cooking or you don't feel like doing your nails, you don't feel like doing your hair, you don't feel like washing your car or whatever it is. It's another thing when you can't.
6: You know, you know, especially just kind of leaning off that, you know, like all of the stuff you kind of mentioned, the, the biggest kind of underlying, you know, foundation of why we've kind of discovered those things is because we were really forced to, right? Like mm-hmm. COVID COVID shut down your, your favorite restaurant, right? So you can't eat at that same restaurant. COVID shut down people's occupations, right? So like mm-hmm. they had to find a way uh, to do things. And it could, obviously, again, in our field, we would love for us to be able to just say, hey, can you do this? And folks do it, right? But again, we live in reality, right? So we know that sometimes people have to be painted in a uh, proverbial corner, right? Before, you know, they <laughs> pick up the new activity, right? Before they figure like, you know what, this is this is a hobby that I enjoy doing, and maybe I want to do more. Like, we, you know, people stuck in the house, so all of a sudden, they start looking around their house like, you know what? We, we got to do some around this house. Like, I, I, I'll be honest. I was. I've been. I've been doing so many like miscellaneous house things because, like, I see my house more. Right. I'm like, I'm right, mm-hmm. right. you know, we got to do somebody's windows. Like, it's just and it just it just it just yeah. is what it is. Like, but that's because you know, COVID again. Hopefully, next time it doesn't have to be a COVID, but something kind of shut us down to force us right to to do extra right. And and sometimes right, you know, life happens right. Sometimes you know epidemics happen, but sometimes things happen that kind of force us to have to make that next leap, that next step to say, like, all right, I'm going to go in this direction over here.
2: Better with Dr. Erica.
1: Welcome to Goodwin Medical Associates, where we provide customized, caring telepsychiatry that is delivered with compassion by a Harvard-trained, double board-certified psychiatrist. Don't you know that everyone, including you, deserves great mental health? Visit www.goodwintelepsych.com for more information and to book your free consultation. Let me introduce you to Better Nation. Better Nation is the community of people that follow the Better with Dr. Erica podcast that are like you and want to be better, do better, and live better. By becoming a member of Better Nation, you also get to receive member-only bonus content to put you officially in the inner circle show notes with timestamps, so you don't have to search for your favorite moments and some bonus free coaching tools. So visit joinbetternation.com. That's joinbetternation.com to become a VIP and be a part of Better Nation. It's time for what's up with Dr. Erica. I was talking to my therapist recently. Yes, I have a therapist. Yep, I said it. It's great to have someone that unconditionally holds space for me which is one of the reasons I encourage you to have one too. It's always lovely to have someone that it is purely their job just to listen. Well, we were talking about challenges that I've had with working out along with my schedule. You know, I've mentioned multiple times that working out has been something that I've been on the total struggle bus for quite a while, despite knowing all the reasons that it's important for me to actually work out. She said something that resonated so strongly and was so spot on. She said, you have sacrificed your workouts for productivity. And it's so true, I get up early to work on my businesses and use the time that I would usually work out to just work. Um, And sometimes you just need someone to call your attention to things so you can start coming up with plans and ways to adjust. So I encourage you to have an honest talk with yourself about what your priorities are and which of them you are currently sacrificing for something else. I bet it's going to help you figure out how to move some things around so that all the things that you truly feel on the inside that are your priorities, you're actually able to start doing. That's it. Back to the show.
2: Better with Dr. Erica.
1: This next clip features Dr. Jarrett Patton. You'll want to catch this because he is an expert at reinventing yourself in times of adversity. The hope is in that point of when you're able to shift your mindset to remember or accept that you do have the power to control what you do in your decisions. And your control of yourself in your decisions can give you options that you may not see immediately when you're literally in the thick of it.
7: That's it. You, you, it in that storm, and I remember going through this in times, you know, it, it's, it's when a time in my life that I couldn't have... Any job, I would apply for jobs in any kind of sector. Uh, people wouldn't even look at me, and I said I used to be a very successful executive, and I came to that point in my life where I said there's there's nothing I can do. I don't know what I can do, but then I started from the ground up. So when the kids would come home from school, uh, there'd be a bunch of kids in the neighborhood, and hey, I became the neighborhood kickball pitcher. I said, hey, there's something I can do that I wasn't able to do when I was running hospitals. And I can just sit here and have some fun and enjoy some time with my kids that I ordinarily wouldn't have had. And as I started seeing all the positive things that were going on in my life, despite being in a circle of a storm, it helped me soar and to be like the eagle and rise above the storm until the storm passes and then you can come back down and see how good life is, even though it may have changed, but it's changing for the better.
1: I love that. And and there is something about being able to have that view, kind of like the view from the helicopter or from the top of a tree versus the view from street level. And that's one of the reasons why when you start talking to a, a, a lot of people that have done... I'm. I'm going to use this word, even though I feel like it should be banned after the pandemic pivot. I feel like if I, there are a handful of words. If I never hear them again after, in the next year, I'll be fine. Like dropping gems, I don't need to hear that again. I don't. I don't need to hear dropping <laughs> dropping gems. I don't need to hear. Uh, <laughs> is is that one of the one of the reasons why we're talking about this on this podcast? is a lot of the the solutions to help you get to this other side and to get this bird's eye view so that you can see the full layout of the land to figure out a really good plan for yourself or where you can move, is that a lot of times these things don't happen in isolation. You're not going to talk to a lot of people that have made it through burnout or some of these soul-crushing situations and hear that their narrative is, I figured this all out by myself. <laughs> I mean, it's just not the nature of the beast. You start talking to people, you'll find out folks have coaches, therapists, energy workers, all kinds of things. But it's, it's a lot of times you'll need someone else to help you see the things that you can't see.
7: You're absolutely right. Because Dr. Erica, most people, they look at things and especially if you're working in healthcare, well you're just expected to do what you know how to what you know what to do. You just do it. And you don't ask, you don't tell, you just do it. And you're taking care of people because you know you've been trained to do that. And that's because you're an expert in your field and you're an expert in what you do. But you may not be an expert in running an enterprise or running a business or or knowing what kind of steps to take if you're making a change in your life. And that is one of the things that I always tell people to look at when they are suffering from burnout. Ask for help. Ask for help can come in a variety of different things. You can ask your supervisor to say, hey, maybe I need to just work less hours. Maybe let's look at look at my shift change. Look at it differently. Hey, maybe I need a little more pay. Why not ask for it? You deserve it. Maybe I need something like a scribe, which is also a common solution Mm -hmm. that many institutions don't provide uh, because we know that charting can be overwhelming for a lot of people. So you are looking at these things that you may be able to make a difference in life and then you then you go for it. And and if that means hiring a coach, uh, and, and I've hired many coaches over over the years, if I weren't uh if I didn't hire coaches, I probably never would have been heard from again. I wouldn't be on syndicated radio, I wouldn't be on television, I wouldn't have written all these books. None of these things would have happened if I didn't invest in the education. So you must invest in yourself. There's no doubt about it. And I was willing to double down on it. And I said, even if no one else believed in me, if it's only me, that's enough to get going. And that's exactly what I did. And it wasn't just me. There are lots of people that believed in me. And I knew I had to continue to invest in myself, just like I did if I took an undergraduate degree or a medical degree or any other kind of advanced teaching or certification that I've had. You just have to invest in yourself and it's the same process and you learn new skills and strategies and you take them forward. So that's exactly what I do with a lot of my clients, help Teach them some of the knowledge I've gained, not only over my years in the hospital, leading and managing hospitals, but also in my years as an entrepreneur, as an author, as a speaker, as a media expert, as a so on and so forth down the line.
1: I I love it. And there were two things I want to pull out, two things that you said that I think are huge. One is you talked about how a lot of times we'll be experts in whatever our profession is. The other thing I would say we are experts in, we are experts, not just me, we, you. You are an expert in working. You are an an expert in being an employee, most likely. You're also an expert in being overworked. (laughs) But what you may not be an expert in is actually asking for help. So a lot of these solutions and what we're going to be talking about is this shift. And it's part of what Dr. Jarrett was alluding to, is this shift to also becoming an expert in finding resources for yourself, an expert in, in showing up for yourself. Because a lot of what he was talking about is that we're experts in showing up for everybody else. We're an expert in showing up for work and somehow doing whatever they ask us to do no matter how crazy or how much it is we're an expert of taking care of our family you may not be an expert in showing up for yourself and one of the ways you make it through burnout is you have to show up for yourself so i have a i have a personal question for you Dr. Jared hopefully you won't give me the side eye through the computer <laughs> Ah, let's go. (laughs) Have you ever experienced burnout personally?
7: Well, I think I have experienced burnout, and I just didn't know that I experienced burnout. I uh, got to a period of time early in my clinical career that I knew I could offer more. I knew I had a lot more skill sets than I had working in a clinic, taking care of patients and families. And doing that day after day, I knew I had other skills and other gifts that I could share that would be even more impactful and, and maybe even magnifying the care that I provide one to one. I knew I could do things one to many. And so it was very early on in my career that I realized that simply having a clinical or, and academic career is not going to be fulfilling for me. And that's when I started asking I said, I I wanted to ask for more and I wanted to look toward leadership and and I wanted to work with leaders. And that's ultimately what I did. So it was at that point that I said, I can't do this for a long period of time. I'm just not going to be happy because I feel like half of myself is being wasted. And it was that point in my life that I said, hey, I still like the clinical piece. I still like taking care of the Smith family and the Jones family and the Rodriguez family and the Williams family. And I like all of that, but there's more to me. And that's when I went into leadership. And so I was able to help change policies, help change things that would help the masses that I wouldn't touch directly while I was still being able to take care of patients. Uh, individually, So it was one of those things early in my life that I knew I was suffering. I said I was maybe, you know, not sleeping as well. I may be seen more irritable. I seemed to have less time for my family. And as things change and as I catered my career, as I catered my job to suit me, because often we suit ourselves to fit the job. But I changed my job to suit me. And that's what took me on a different pathway.
2: Better with Dr. Erica.
1: Y'all, when Dr. Jarrett speaks, I have to listen. I love the perspective of taking a step back to get a new view of a situation and seeking help to recover from burnout. This segment really featured the principle of support from the Better Seven, and it's probably one of my favorites. But I don't want the other six of the Better Seven to get jealous. We finally made it to one of my pandemic buddies, Winter Wheeler. Stay tuned to hear the power of will and determination.
2: Better with Dr. Erica. How do
1: you find the energy? What do you do so that you have enough energy to make it through and do those things, but you still have some energy for yourself and your family?
8: Sheer will and determination. That's it. I have an unusual amount of willpower. Mm -hmm. I'm very goal-oriented. Failure is never an option. I'm very type A. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Very type A. And when I envision my life and my career i'm determined to make those things happen okay so it is just will and passion that make it happen i am exhausted all the time okay all the time um i don't get enough sleep <laughs> And never ever get enough sleep. And which I understand is not healthy. Like I'm (laughs) I'm not advocating for for skipping out on your sleep, but it is just a compulsion for me. It's just sheer determination, will, and passion that propels me forward every day. So no matter how tired I am. I know there are things that I need to do to get to the next level. I know that. I know that if I keep working, if I keep at this pace, things are going to get bigger. Things are going to build. I'll be able to do more for my children.
2: Mm -hmm. And
8: I want... You know, better for my kids than I had, and I listen. I'm not complaining. I had it really well. So, yeah. <laughs> so I had a good life, but you know, I just want to make sure that I'm providing for my kids and that I can do that. You know, get them through college, get them through grad school. What those are the things that keep me moving. It's those little four faces that rely on me. It just keeps me going. So a lot of it is just the. You know, goodness, the personal satisfaction of saying that I'm doing these things, I love that. I love it. I love adding stuff to the resume. Yeah. I'm a complete nerd in that <laughs> regard. <laughs> and And so there's definitely that. I do a lot of it for myself. Yeah, just just for myself because I'm I'm a career woman. And then the rest of it is just because I want to take care of my family. And I want to set a good example for the children. I don't want them to feel like the things that they have come out of nowhere. And as cliche as it is, money does not grow on trees. Mommy works. Daddy works. And they see us work all the time. So I know they know that they need to work hard. Yeah.
1: I wish money this did grow on trees and I had a money tree in my backyard. Listen, I'd be at your house all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I know. And, and one thing I want to bring out in what you said is that number one is, is realizing that we're all a work in progress. That we don't necessarily have to be perfect. We can continue to have the space to just attempt to do it better. <laughs> so, the expectation that you be perfect right now—it's not realistic for anybody. Is you're going to ten- continue to grow, you'll continue to learn how to do things. It's not even always better. Sometimes it's differently. Um, yes. and you'll all learn how to take even better care of yourself. But it's a—it's a work in progress. So one of the things I want to tell all my wonderful listeners of Better Nation out there is to continue to look for, and one of the ways is my podcast, but look for these ways to make space for yourself in your life. And you may not get it right perfectly. Because you know, you heard Winter talking about she's done everything and she was exhausted. You've even heard me talk on this podcast about being exhausted. Is sometimes it takes a little help and creativity. To start finding out how to have enough space for you, which allows you to replenish your own energy and not constantly be pouring, pouring, and pouring until you're pouring from an empty cup. And, and sometimes for some of you, this podcast and a little, a little time on the interwebs will be enough. Some of you may need some coaches. Some of you may benefit from some therapists. And Winter talked about her I love mine. I'm a real big fan of it. And it's not just because that's one of the services I provide. It's just right now, everyone is struggling. So sometimes the people that you would have usually kind of talked to about what's going on is when everyone's on the struggle bus, there are going to be a lot of people you would typically depend on for support that may not have space for your emotions or what you're dealing with. The great thing about having a therapist is they are paid to hold space for you and paid to create a safe space for you. And sometimes I think people think you have to be super depressed and crying all the time or want to kill yourself or be so anxious you can't leave the house. You don't have to be in crisis to see a mental health professional. And and sometimes the great thing about them is they can help you see in these blind spots and corners of ways that you can actually restructure things either your thoughts or your activities to help give yourself energy so you're not as exhausted because I know the two of us are not the only people that have been experiencing exhaustion for sure <laughs> I, I, yeah I I know we don't necessarily hold the <laughs> no monopoly hold the keys to all of the exa- all the exhaustion on the planet you know and you know and it's. I, I,
8: it's interesting, you know, we're talking about being creative and restructuring. So today, you know, and my my therapist mentioned that, you know, I don't work out like I used to. And she said, "Well, how can you get that back in the schedule?" And I was just like, you know, telling her, "Basically, I couldn't." And she was like, "That's just not true. How you how are you going to do it?" And while walking through that with her, I realized if I move my gym equipment into, literally into my dining room that mm-hmm. faces the front yard, I can watch the kids, open the windows, communicate with them, and exercise.
1: There you go. I think our, our therapists all had conversations because mine is like, uh, you need to work out. Started talking about ways to try to fit it back in because I'm like, ah, yeah, I know I feel better. And it also made me think of remember that stuff with Whoopi Goldberg the other week. And it's like, nobody needs anybody to tell them they have gotten, gotten like gained weight or bigger. Nobody needs that. We all know. (laughs) We see ourselves in the mirror. We know how our clothes fit. We know the elastic just feels a little too tight. You no know, you no, know, we don't need folks to tell us, but, you know, sometimes it's helpful to figure out how to creatively problem solve in a supportive environment. We may have to do a show on how to support people through that. That may be something to, <laughs> something to weight do. Weight
8: gain, listen, somebody tell me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I, I think that's one of the other issues is there are things that there are times where we could use some help, but you need help that feels good. And that there are certain areas of our life that sometimes people are trying to help, but they're not supporting you in a way that feels supportive or that feels healthy or feels good. So,
8: yeah, yeah, Yeah. I would have to say that there are some people in my life that like they may come to me for support, but they get a lot of tough love and I don't hear from them (laughs) when they know that's not what they need. (laughs) You know who to call when you need when you need something some specific. Don't call me if you need the warm and fuzzies. It's not, it's not the right person to call. That's not going to feel good to you.
1: That is hilarious.
2: Better with Dr. Erica.
1: That episode always inspires me. Winter is always so down to earth. Did you hear that, y'all? We can all use a therapist. I also chuckled thinking of how many times my therapist has talked to me about making space to have intentional movement. We just talked about that the other day again. I am so excited for this segment with Dr. Alana Curry. It's always so much fun to have another psychiatrist and St. Louisan on the pod.
2: Better with Dr. Erica.
1: Trauma is one of those words that people have been talking about for years, and it's almost like it reminds me almost like self-care that there's a point where so many people talk about it that there no longer is really an, a common understanding of what it even means. Mm-hmm. Can, can you tell the people, especially as someone that specializes in this field, how would you define trauma? I define trauma
9: as any event or series of events that causes a internally negative experience that then causes you to change the way you think about yourself, other people, or the rest of the world. And... That is very different than how most people have been taught to define trauma, including me, including us. Really, I mean, yeah. If you think about it, uh, even in our psychiatric training, uh, when you when we have a quote review of systems, um, trauma was one of the things that often was left off. It, it's been now now we do a more thorough job of asking people about their traumas, which has developed over the last ten to fifteen years. But that's relatively new. Um, the concept of trauma really being a core experience that human beings have is still not pervasively practiced in our society. We have a tendency to think of it like d- does the person you know do they are they bipolar? do they have major depressive disorder? We mm-hmm. have to do these categorizing um diagnostic ways of thinking of a thing which I think has value for sure. However, I really think that trauma has to be really understood as the, as the core experience that someone is going to experience in this world. You're going to have things that hurt. And what is traumatic to you, another person can go through the exact same experience and they don't define it as traumatic. It didn't bother them. It's not sticking with them. It hasn't changed how they're operating and what their brain programming is doing and that's okay but there's so many things that can cause trauma that I think it's important for us to all get to a common definition.
1: And I love how how you break it down to there's the subject subjective thing about trauma which is the individual exp- the individual feeling or experience about something that happens. I'm mm-hmm. sure I did not just say this as eloquently as you did. And um, for all of you out there that did not do medical training, a review of systems—it's the part of an exam where. It's almost it reminds you of a super sophisticated checklist (laughs) when there are these things you're asking to just double check some other areas to make sure nothing else is going on there or to make sure Mm -hmm. that there's not something else you need to be looking at. It's kind of like if you... You take your car in, they'll look specifically in depth in that area that you may come in with a complaint about, but then they kind of stick it on the machine and do that kind of inspection to check all the other stuff to make sure there's nothing else there. So that's Mm -hmm. typically how I would describe a review of systems. And part of the reason I wanted to have this conversation is especially not only in our training and a lot of people's training, but also in the general public, there are some things that people think of when you hear trauma. Now, the interesting thing is even with these, you'll have people and they'll be like, I have never experienced trauma. And then you ask them a bunch of questions and they've been molested or we're in tornadoes, you know, and they're like, no, I I have no trauma. And, you know, I think a lot of times you'll hear about it when people talk about trauma, um, especially because a lot of the initial descriptions of PTSD came from veterans. So a lot of it was, a lot of the thoughts initially were related more to combat experiences was that people look at trauma a lot of times and it's kind of like rapes, assaults, horrific Mm -hmm. accidents and major, you know, major disasters like hurricanes, (laughs) earthquakes, everything that's happened in Haiti. Um, And they'll look at that as trauma and they are, you know, there are so many other things that people experience that can be traumatic. And I love the the fact that your definition gives space for that because a lot of people have experienced trauma in the form of racism or white supremacy. They may have received or experienced trauma as far as their family interpersonal dynamics, you know, to things such as domestic abuse or emotional abuse. There's just such a wide variety of things that can be traumatic, that I think it's important for all of us to have a wider lens. Mm-hmm. Because the next question I'm going to ask Dr. Lana is when you start opening the lens and thinking about what the average human experiences, it's it's like a majority of people have experienced some level of trauma. What do you see with that and what can be done?
9: Well, I think it's great <laughs> because trauma is treatable, and that is really the core message that I want to give people is that um, trauma is really about how your brain gets programmed by those experiences. Like, yes, it hurts. <clears throat> so one of the one of the people uh, or the groups that I've thought a lot about are law enforcement because I think for many people, When you think of trauma as only like you have to get shot, stabbed, you have to go to war, you have to have this, this, the big boom, you have to feel it terribly when it first happens, like it doesn't have to be externally expressed. Like people sometimes are so used to traumatic experiences that you don't react. When, if you live in the hood and it's shooting every night, then you, you lay on your floor and you go to sleep and that becomes normalized, but it doesn't mean that it's not traumatic. It doesn't mean it's not programming your brain to be hypervigilant about certain sounds or to drop on the floor if you hear something loud when you're 60, right? If, you, mm-hmm. if your brain is programmed in a certain way, so like a police officer, when you respond to the things that they have to respond to and see people behave the way that they behave, they're, they're not every time horrified, but their internal brain's experience is programming their lens and how they look at and interpret the world. And we're swimming in trauma. There is no person right now on this planet Earth 2021 who's not going through a viral global pandemic that has changed the way that we interact with each other and disrupted our healthy and unhealthy coping patterns that we were all addicted to. So we all are <laughs> going through withdrawal. Um, there's an incredible amount of gun violence, trauma, uh, political violence on people with creating laws that criminalize and demonize normal human behaviors. Um, there's so many things that we are experiencing that you almost can't take in every uh Uh, every single horrible thing that's going on right Right. now. And so there's a lot of people who are saying, I feel depressed, I'm tired, I'm stressed, my brain is foggy. Um, And all of these things are predictable patterns that happen in our biology when we experience these extreme events and these major changes. But if we haven't been taught to think about ourselves as... um, i say a three-part creature, animal, human, and mm-hmm. spirit, right? I have this biology. It does things. It creates these huge invisible urges and surges inside of me, which I perceive as my psychology, my brain, my thoughts, how that manifests and what I create is going to be based on this animal, human spirit thing that I've got to control because it's If you don't know that you have an amygdala, right, which is the part of our brain that creates these invisible emotions and sensations all throughout our body that we perceive as feelings um, or emotions, If, if I don't know I have that, then I'll blame you for making me feel this way. I'll blame my job or I'll blame the devil and God and demons and whatever else for what I'm feeling when a lot of it's coming from in me. And nobody has taught me that. And I feel like that's a that's a anatomy lesson that we can give the world in
1: less than an hour. <laughs> like, let's get it.
2: Better with Dr. Erica.
1: You heard it here. Dr. Alana stays dropping knowledge. She has such a talent for breaking down trauma in such relatable terms, which is so needed in this time that we're all living through this season that is filled with trauma. Last but not least is Dr. Charlotte Accor talking about eye health. Better with Dr. Erica. In the realm of eye health, I have a couple questions. My next one is when you're dealing with all of these people dealing with malaligned eyes, do you find people end up realizing that their eyes are malaligned because they're either seeing double blurry or something, or is it more of other people notice because they look cross-eyed or like their
5: eyes are going all over the place? So children don't notice it's their parents who have to pick up the problem or, you know, hopefully most kids are getting their routine exams with their pediatrician. So, hey, parents got to be parents. They have to make sure that their child's eyes are straight. And when they look at their child's eyes, that things are normal. And also that's what the pediatrician is checking for. So children don't know that there's a problem. Sometimes children may know if they, um, they need a pair of glasses and that's after the fact. Then they get their glasses and they can see and they can describe things, right? Parents feel yeah. really bad. Um, adults. So I take care of misaligned eyes. So an adult who is in a car accident and they damage a the nerve and have misaligned eyes, they mm-hmm. may complain of double vision and they're more vocal about the problem or adults who had the misaligned eyes as, children, they don't have double vision, but they want their self-confidence back, right? They want their peripheral vision, their binocular vision, but they also want to be able to look their colleagues in the eyes. So, so that, that, that's, that's a, a good feeling when I help my patients have their eyes become straight because everybody, you know, wants to, wants to, to look a certain way.
1: Yes, and as a child psychiatrist, one of the things that came to my mind as soon as you started talking about this was thinking that children would be potentially teased if if they're you know there are sometimes when people's alignment is really minor and subtle where it would be hard for other people to see, but other times where it's the eyes either look crossed or they're just going in totally different directions that it seems like some of the presentations might be these kids are getting teased. Do you feel like you end up talking to these kids and they're getting teased about this? Or is this all stuff
5: coming in my head because I'm a psychiatrist? Well, the younger the kids get treated, the better, right? So the Mm -hmm. young kids don't care. The kids that are 8, 9, 10, 11, they just don't want to have surgery. But their parents make them have surgery anyway. And I do think the teenagers do. I think teenagers are very self-conscious. Um, and then I guess if you have a good group of friends, then then they don't say anything about okay. your eyes. I actually, one of my best referrals was um, a mom who brought her child that was seven years old that had misaligned eyes. And so I counseled the mom about surgery. And then the mom was like, by the way, I have a 21 year old who has the same problem. And I said, wow. Oh, send her to the office. And you it was so pronounced, Dr. Erica. And I asked the, the young lady, I said, do your friends say anything? And she said, they never say anything about it to me. And I'm like, wow, you have some really kind friends. And she was a newlywed. Her husband was stationed abroad. And I said, your husband's going to be so surprised. And the the best benefit of strabismus surgery or surgery for misaligned eyes used to have some depth perception and binocular vision. So she looked like a whole new woman after her surgery. Now, what would you advise people?
1: Because I know a lot of times we don't, we have all these conversations about, you know, you need to eat healthy. You need to exercise and all this stuff for your health. What are some things that people can do for their eye health since your eyes are really important and you kind of only get one set of them? so. If you had to think of what, if there were a handful of things you could do
5: to have the best eye health, what would they be? So I have a different set of advice uh, for kids versus adults. Kids, you need to follow with your, they need to follow with their pediatrician or family medicine doctors. They're the experts. They're the ones to look at your child's eyes and say, hey, um, there's not a good red reflex. You know, those old days where they're actually cameras and your eyes would leave a mm-hmm. red halo. The doctors are checking for that. Um, also, school screening. So really, the first four years of life is really structural. Is there a normal red reflex? Are the eyelids normal? But then as kids get older, They actually need a vision screening. So not everybody has to go to the eye doctor and get dilated, but they, but somebody should sit down with them and have them read a chart. They've kind of fixed some of that technology. There's an auto refractor that can, can tell us which kids are at risk. So really I would tell people keep with your routine doctor's appointments and then but then that's when you show up at the expert's office because unfortunately, some kids get glasses that don't need glasses. Uh, so. Now, how about for grown ups? For grown ups, the um, screening recommendations are less, so every five years until you get about 50. But then, 50, you know, you should be checked every year. Um, family history is a big thing, right? So if you come from two parents that are glasses wearers, (laughs) you're going to fail that vision screen at the pediatrician's office and the ophthalmologist or the optometrist will be your best friend changing and managing your glasses or contact lenses throughout life. Um, But one serious eye disease that usually is very silent is glaucoma. So that's why that eye, that complete eye exam at age 50 is important. So what glaucoma is, In um, the optic nerve is the cord from the brain. And sometimes it's associated with increased eye pressure, putting too much pressure on the brain, but it's not always. So some people can have normal pressure and still have damage to that optic nerve. So that's why it's so important to get a dilated eye exam where that optic nerve, that brain tissue is examined because once the brain tissue is dead, there's nothing else to, there's nothing, there's nothing you can do to fix it compared to cataract surgery or LASIK surgery. So making sure that you keep with your recommended screening appointments, just like breast exams and colonoscopies, that's, that's something that's very important to make sure that's, de- that's done for your eye health.
1: Oh, thank you. So all the people out there, you hear one of the best things you can do to take care of your eyes is to actually get them checked. <laughs>
2: Better with Dr. Erica.
1: I always love hearing Dr. Charlotte because we so often focus on other areas of the body. So it's really great to hear about how to actually take care of our eyes. We reached the end of the episode, y'all. I know, it just totally flew by. Thanks so much for tuning in and trusting me and my guests to be in your ears. You could have chosen any one of the zillion podcasts out there and you chose mine. I totally feel the love. So if you enjoyed this, I encourage you to go back and check out the original episodes featured in this best of health and wellness episode of Better with Dr. Erica. You won't be disappointed and if you thought these were some nuggets dropped here, the full episodes are just full of so much information. Guess what? We are getting season 3 ready and the next episode that drops will actually be the first episode of season 3. Yes, I said season 3. I still can't believe we're on the 3rd season. I remember when this podcast was just a dream. Um but If you start missing me in the meantime, you can take a listen to past episodes. I'm not opposed to you doing some binge listening, but in the meantime, seriously, please be kind to yourself. Be mindful of ways to speak to yourself. You deserve all of the love and compassion that you readily give to others. I just had to leave you with something beyond what's in this episode. I always love talking directly to you. So I can't wait to see you for season three. Thanks for all of your support, and I would love it if you could follow, subscribe, rate, or review. But until next time, have a better day. I'm so excited that you have been here supporting Better With Dr. Erica along the way. Can you believe we just made it to the end of Season 2? Season 2! First, I have to say thank you for making my dream of being a podcast host come true. Thanks for all your support. And I look forward to bringing even better content for you, which is hard because it's getting pretty good in season three. Now, while I'm gone, that doesn't mean the episodes will stop coming. You will see some bonus episodes pop up. So it's going to be important for you to follow or subscribe to the podcast. That way you won't miss a thing. Now, if you start missing me too much, you can always go back and listen to past episodes because as you can tell, there are quite a few So especially if you started listening a little later in the podcast or there's some things that you may want to just listen to again and see what additional knowledge and tidbits you can get, I encourage you to go back and listen to some past episodes and I will be busy like a busy bee coming up with some new great episodes for you for season three. I even started taping some of them and you are going to love them. I know I do, but thank you so much again I can't wait to see you on the other side. Stay tuned for the bonus episodes.
2: Better with Dr. Erica. If you enjoy podcasts
0: like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Nurse Wellness Podcast, hosted by Wendy Garvin Mayo, focuses on the power of stress management and how it's foundational to being your best, doing your best, and giving your best. There's a wonderful episode that you should check out called Letting Go, where Wendy Garvin Mayo shares six strategies to release control and manage stress effectively. Check out Nurse Wellness Podcast on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com.